Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you in part by Growmark FS. For over 95 years, we've led the game. Power, we restored it. Protection, we reinvented it. Record yields, we redefined it. If there's one thing we know at FS, it's that just because something hasn't been done doesn't mean it can't be done. We're never satisfied unless we take your farming operation to the next level. Run your equipment at peak efficiency and bust the bins this season. Visit fssystem.com. The views and opinions of this program are those of the host, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Another day higher for the wheat market on Monday with mixed action in corn and beans and in the livestock trade, plus a very volatile day in gold. We're going to talk about everything coming up here today on Market Talk. Thanks for joining us here on the program. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Great to have you along for another conversation about what is happening in the commodity markets and more. Coming up today, we're going to talk with John Heinberg from Total Farm Marketing. We'll get John's thoughts on the overall market activity I mentioned, uh, for the most part, kind of a mixed bag with wheat trading mostly higher, quarter beans uh, trading around unchanged, kind of uh, either side of unchanged, I should say, in uh, quiet activity there. While cattle and hogs were mixed, gold was very volatile, going uh, losing some $50 on uh, Monday session at one point. So we're going to talk about that and, and take a look at some of the outside market news as well as we go through today's program. So a lot to get to on the show, talking markets again with John Heimberg coming up here in segment three and four today. We will also get a look at weather. How are things shaping up in South America this week? That's a big driver of this trade. Also, what about here in the U.S.? Uh, warmer than normal temperatures here starting off the week and then maybe a potential of a bigger system later in the week. We're going to talk about that with Eric Snodgrass, Principal Atmospheric Scientist with Nutrient Ag Solutions. He will join us coming up in segment two today for a conversation. We get to all that and more on the way here on the program. Let's kick things off, though, and get commentary from Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at Stone X. I talked with Arlen around midday on Monday, got his thoughts as to what we are seeing in the market trade as, again, um, for the most part, uh, wheat higher and kind of a quiet mixed bag in corn and beans, but we got some of that volatility in the outside markets, uh, cattle finding a little pressure as well. So a somewhat wild day uh, in the market trade to start off the first full week of December on Monday. We get those comments and uh, talk about things with Arlen Suderman from Stonex. He starts with the grain trade. Well, it has been a wild day, and then we have a new month with new money coming in, the second trading day of the month, but it seems to be re related largely to export demand overall. We look at the wheat market, and I should throw in their chart signals as well, is last week we started seeing strength in the wheat market, and ideas that maybe we're carving out yet another bottom in this market, the funds with big short positions trying to cover those positions. We also had uh, reports of China doing some buying 
thing in the USDA's weekly export sales report released at the end of the week indicated some of that uh, business. But then we got another announcement this morning, a flash sale that overnight to China had bought another 16 plus million bushels of U.S. soft red winter wheat. And that just kind of accelerated the buying and the short covering in the markets. Other end users saying if we're going to get in, maybe we need to get in now. It's not that it's turned the balance sheet bullish by any means, uh, but it certainly does tell the funds maybe we've hit a bottom and we should get out of our short position. So as the charts continue to turn more friendly, that causes more short positions or sold positions to try to unwind faster uh, in this market. And on the corn market, we're getting some support from some decent uh, export shipment business as well. Featuring China taking over 10 million bushels in the latest week reported, which really helped uh, uh, boost our corn shipments during the week. Soybeans, on the other hand, even though it was a disappointing weekend rain-wise in Brazil, Stonex Brazil on Friday announced uh, the results of its latest customer survey calling for record production in Brazil, going along with three other private sources that have said similar things here over the past 10 days or so. So the fund's starting to just kind of give up on that soybean market as the charts start to turn more bearish there. And I was going to say soybeans looking like uh, breaking through some pretty key chart support here. So I have to wonder if that gives us more potential of uh, downside risk here in uh, soybeans moving forward here into the month of December, Arlen. Yeah, we certainly broke below that support for double-digit losses overnight. Uh, then we got some support to today when the U.S. Uh, trading desks opened up on the disappointing rains over the weekend. But they just couldn't hold that strength. And then the export inspections data that came out for this morning showing very disappointing shipments over the past week, especially to China. And that's just kind of reinforcing the negative uh, sentiment in the soybean pits. How about over in the livestock trade? Looking like uh, another uh, slight leg lower here in live at feeder cattle trade to start off the week, Arlen. Well, we started off the day on a really negative tone with cattle. Live cattle trading over $2 lower in feeder cattle, more than twice that lower. We have simple, since then started to firm and started to kind of cut those losses almost in half uh, as the market trying to come back. But we have done more chart damage overall. If we look at last week's cattle trade, um, basically 2 to $3 lower. Uh, if we look overall at the, the product, market's been weak. Uh, if we look at last week's slaughter rate, uh, really pretty decent, expected to be bigger this week, 635,000 head last week, generally thinking to be bigger this week. Choice cuts finished out near steady Friday to Friday, but cash cattle lower, as I said, packer margin slightly improving. But the big thing is the chart damage leading to more fund liquidation. And once again, that is Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX, joined us for our midday commentary on the day Monday, providing us with his perspective on what we are seeing across the market trade. Well, a key update from our friends in the pork industry on preparedness for and prevention of African swine fever. In order to fully appreciate and evaluate where we currently stand, we have to know where we've been, and we get that perspective from Dr. Paul Sundberg, the retiring director of the Swine Health Information Center. I'll tell you, we got into China in 2018, and we sat down with USDA at that time and looked at them right across the table and said, what's your plan? And they went, well, 
we haven't we don't have one yet. So um, there's been a lot of progress. Uh, they've really done a good job. We are more prepared for African swine fever than we are prepared than we've ever been prepared for anything in history. That being said, the issue is preventing it. Which he says that work continues. And that's a big effort. That's something that goes all the way from from USDA to Customs and Border Protection to state animal health officials and state veterinarians to farmers. And it's got to be a group effort. None of those can do it by themselves. It's got to be a group effort. And we've made an awful lot of progress since 2018. Regarding where those efforts are currently focused. Our, our pork industry does not have a credible traceability system, national traceability system for our pigs. That's something we're working on. National Pork Producers Council, National Pork Board, everybody's working together. And everybody's working together because at any given point on any given day, there's about 2.2 million hogs on the road that would need to be isolated instantly should an outbreak of African swine fever occur. All right, well, coming up next here on Market Talk, we are going to take a look at the weather forecast here for the week ahead, maybe a potential of a bigger system later this week. And we'll also take a look at South America with Eric Snodgrass from Nutrient Ag Solutions on the way right after this. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Bringing you the ag information you need. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, as we take a look at the weather forecast here, now that we are officially into the final month of the year, December is here. We're joined here to talk about what's happening not only in the U.S., but in South America as well, keeping an eye on Brazil and Argentina. Eric Stoggrass, Principal Atmospheric Scientist with Nutrient Ag Solutions, joins us here once again this week to talk about the weather. Eric, great to have you on the program with us again this week. And uh, I'll start in the U.S., a couple things for us to talk about here. Uh, I know temperatures over the weekend, fairly mild for this time of year, I would say, in many areas. Not a lot of precipitation. It seemed like a pretty calm start to the month of December in the U.S., Eric. Yeah, it did. And if you like warm temperatures, just wait till middle of the week. We're going to see temperatures throughout the plains and Midwest maybe climb 25 to 30 degrees above average. I mean, there's some really, really warm conditions coming in. Now today ahead of it, it's gonna be extremely windy in the plains. We're talking about 40 to 50 mile an hour gusts from Montana all the way down through Colorado, then getting out there into the open plains. But it's just gonna be the, the very warm air that follows it. And unfortunately with that warmer air, I've not seen a whole lot of precip coming with it. There's a little clipper that's sneaking through the Midwest, but it's not a big precipitation uh, kind of creator. So yeah, we're gonna go to this first week of December relatively mild for a big section of the country. Yeah, and that's something I think a lot of folks are liking. Let's talk long range forecast though. I know some new data out for the month of December. Maybe we can dive into that a little bit. What are you seeing with some of that new long range data, Eric? Yeah, so the Climate Prediction Center at the end of every month on the last day, they always update their new one month outlook. So they did this on the 30th, we're now seeing the month of December. And they they painted an 
picture where much of the eastern half of the country is going to be mild for most of the month. And we're certainly going to start that way. We do not have a connection to cold air just yet. Uh, and what I mean by that is there's no big ridge in Alaska. There's no big ridge in Greenland. And without those two things on either side of, of us, we can't get the cold air to dive down. So sure, I buy that. The precipitation pattern is going to be a mess though. And we need the moisture. In fact, just last night I was in Memphis and uh, my son and I stopped at the Bass Pro Shop to get a good look at the Mississippi River, which is still about six and a half feet below low stage. And um, yeah, it was impressive to see how low it is. But we need, honestly, we need a mild start to this winter with a whole lot of flow out of the Southwest. In other words, big systems are rolling from California to Maine. We're going to try to get some of that. Later this week, there is a system, I'm talking late, late this week, that may come out of the plains and be a big, maybe a big snowmaker for parts of the Midwest, definitely bringing in some severe weather threats south and some stronger, you know, storms and heavier rain. But it, the details haven't been ironed out. This is all the way, I'm talking mm -hmm. about the Friday and Saturday of this week. I'll watch that, but then what I don't like is what happens after it. It goes right back to where the flow comes out of the Northwest. Mm -hmm. And so what's the problem? When is it going to finally just turn around and give us a full-blown El Nino look to this pattern? And what I mean by that is the subtropical jets showing up, that flow from the southwest. So I guess the way I would kind of put a stamp on the new winter forecasts uh, are going to be, it's going to be a back half-loaded winter. You're going to have to wait until we get past the peak of this El Nino, which is still probably, I don't know, I'd call it another 40 days away. Uh, and then uh, I think there's going to be a lot of action in, in, in late January, well, most of January, and then getting into February, March. So I hope it's a nasty winter, Jesse, to be honest with you, because mm -hmm. nasty winters correct soil moisture problems. So we need to get that in here to get that Mississippi River back up. And to your point about the El Nino, this has kind of been an atypical type of El Nino here this year, hasn't it, Eric? Well, it's been slow to develop. It has not, uh, it's about half the strength that it was forecast to be. And what's atypical about it is that we've got some spots of cooler water in the North Pacific. Normally there's a complement to El Nino of warm water hugging the West Coast of North America. And this year we don't have that. We've got what we call the negative phase of the PDO. That's some cool water in the Gulf of Alaska. And we also have the negative phase of the PMM. That's where there's cold water that stretches from the Baja toward uh, Hawaii. Normally, if this El Nino was going to just grab the pattern and never let go, all that water would be warm. So that's why I put big question marks on the long range. I don't think anybody's going to be able to nail down this winter because of that inconsistency in this El Nino behaving exactly like historic El Ninos do. All right, let's move our attention to South America, get an update on Brazil and Argentina. I know this uh, forecast down there, there's been kind of a some back and forth. You and I talked about this last week between the Euro and the GFS in Brazil. Looked like some rains in central Brazil here the last few days, kind of verified. I, I guess, get me up to speed. What are you seeing down there right now? Well, up to speed is a bit confusing because I spent this morning looking at the latest NDVI data. So that's a satellite technique we use to measure vegetation health. And I don't, some places that you'd say saw some tremendous heat stress and drought stress, they're showing up with better NDVI values than a year ago. And you're like, okay, well, how, how is that possible? Uh, and then you see down farther south, like Paraná, the Rio Grande do Sul, some very high values. But that makes sense. It's been flooding down there. Mm -hmm. So the forecast, at least this, the models agree, both the GFS and the European model both agree that southern Brazil is going to stay wet. And there's better rains for Argentina. What they don't agree is central and northern Brazil. The European model wants next week 
to be the week that all of a sudden turns the pattern around for much of north central Brazil. So Mato Grosso, part of Mato Grosso do Sul, Goiás, Tocantins, these areas. And if the European model verifies, we'll be off to the races with discussions about much better looking crops and yield. Mm-hmm. GFS says no way. I mean, it just keeps it all dry. And I've been asked the last week, well, which model do you trust? Which one do you? And, and I jokingly say I don't trust either of them, but that's kind of the reality. And one's been too wet and the other's been too dry. So it's, it's somewhere in between that the reality exists. And the question is we need to get some conversations going with some Brazilian growers that'll kind of give it to us straight and tell us what things look like. Because as I look at them from space, or if I look at them in the forecast models, uh, the picture is a bit inconsistent there. I can tell you this, since you got me down there, uh, the Panama Canal is still dry. I, I at least know mm-hmm. that. I know the forecast for that area stays dry, but I don't know a whole lot else about uh, maybe the full-on situation in Brazil, given some of the inconsistencies in the forecast data. Yeah, so kind of some question marks, and I would agree with you. Maybe we just need to get some Brazilian growers uh, on tap here to talk about it. Uh, what about Argentina? It seems like things have, have kind of been the same in Argentina too, but things have improved considering the just the terrible drought that they had the last few years, Eric. Yeah, you know, and, and that still shows up in the stats. So when we look down there and look for spring rains, in fact, I was just looking this morning at a place called Cordoba. Many of your listeners probably know exactly where that is, but if you don't, Cordoba is just right smack dab in the middle of their main ag area. Uh, it looks just like Illinois, if you were to see a picture of it. And uh, I was looking down there and they've had three events, three rainfall events, not a whole lot of rain. Buenos Aires has done better. Santa Fe's done better. And the farther north you go along the Parna River, I mean, we've got some places that are flooding right now. Mm-hmm. So um, Argentina has some spots that are still in trouble. They're farther west overall, but um, it's going to be better than last year. That's That's for sure in Argentina. Okay. All right. Any other features you're watching around the world, Eric, uh, that we uh, need to keep a a close eye on on the weather front? Yeah. You know, Europe, it's pretty amazing. They built up a pretty massive reserve of, you know, of of fuels, be it it for for heating, right? And therefore, this big cold snap that came through didn't drive the markets in in a direction you may have thought it would. Uh, But they just added up about, I don't know, a meter of snow, three feet of snow in the Alps, big snows in parts of Russia. Remember back about, what was it, a week ago, big storm system hit Ukraine and Russia. Uh, So Europe, if they continue on this colder, snowier winter, then at some point we're going to start to exhaust these reserves and we could get a big shift in, in energy prices at some point just because of the conflict that surrounds that area. And then I would also say Australia just enjoyed about two weeks of very heavy rainfall that they desperately needed. They don't often get that in an El Nino. we got to watch Australia pretty closely too. Okay. Great stuff as always. I know folks want to stay up to date with the latest weather information for their hometown or more. Just go to ag-wx.com ag-wx.com with that eric stockgrass from nutrient ag solutions always good to talk with you my friend thanks for joining us we'll talk to you next week yep sounds good and once again eric stockgrass there principal atmospheric scientist at nutrient ag solutions joining us here as we take a look at the weather this week and again find more online ag-wx.com that is ag-wx.com you can find the latest weather details for 
your area. And uh, Eric posts a lot of great information up there each and every day. So just go to ag-wx.com. Again, a pretty quiet radar for the most part uh, to start off the week. A few clipper systems in the northern plains and upper Midwest and a little system work through parts of the eastern Midwest, but that's pretty much it. Temperatures look to be fairly moderate here uh, this week again as well. But we are going to watch this weekend. As Eric mentioned, uh, we could be seeing a bigger system develop, but a lot of details still have to come together for that. So uh, definitely just keeping our eyes on that as we move forward towards this upcoming weekend. All right, next, we're going to take a look at the market trade. We'll dive back in with John Heinberg from Total Farm Marketing. He'll join us after the break here on Market Talk. Your local FS is member-owned, and that means when you buy our flagship brands like FS Envision and FS High Soy, you're actually buying seed from yourself. And you wouldn't sell yourself anything but the best, would you? In field after field, FS brands are out yielding the competition. Talk to your local FS crop specialist about Envision corn or High Soy soybean seed today. At harvest, you'll be glad you did. Envision and High Soy are available exclusively at your local FS member company. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, let's take a look at Monday's market action. Double-digit losses in the soybean trade, double-digit gains in the wheat trade and corn, largely caught in the middle. More pressure in cattle as well. We're going to talk about all of that and more. Joining us for market analysis here today, John Heinberg with Total Farm Marketing is our guest. John, great to uh, have you on the program with us once again this week. Thanks for joining us and hope you had a great weekend. Yeah, had a great weekend. Topped off by a pretty good Packer game last night. Uh, so <laughs> nice to see him playing some ball. That's good. To, makes it a little bit encouraging. It was uh, pretty disappointing the first month or so of the season. That's for sure. Yeah, sorry to Chiefs fans out there, but the Packers got a W in uh, Mahomes' first visit to Lambeau Field. So we'll take it to the bank and run. We won't discuss any of the officiating. We'll just go with it. So, all right, let's let's uh, let's start markets, John. Before we get caught up talking football, let's talk markets. And uh, looking at uh, Monday's action, another strong day in the wheat trade. So, um, dare I say it, the wheat rally continuing on here as we get into another week, John. Yeah, very much so. You know, it was good to see get that push up through the $6 handle last week on that March contract for Chicago, adding 20 cents today. We got that exporter sale announcement from China, picking up some spring wheat here also this morning. Uh, you know, that probably happened last week, which probably triggered this rally. But, you know, just between wheat and corn, even though corn kind of gave it back towards the end of the day today, at least still hung in the hung in the positive territory in those front months. The funds are heavily short. That's something I've been kind of watching for the last couple of weeks here, or longer than that, but really focusing on it. You know, they're over 200,000 short on the corn side and, you know, big wheat position that, you know, maybe we're in that window here between now and Christmas or the end of the year. They square up some of those positions, you know, fill out their balance sheets a little bit so the month and, you know, the end of year statements look pretty good. And that could give us a bit of a limited rally in both those two grains. Now I'll throw in some decent export demand. I, I like the export inspections numbers today for for corn. And like I said, we got those sales and just continued chatter of China looking for wheat. 
you know, that can add some fuel to a market that's looking for some reason to get out of short positions. And maybe we're starting to build that a little bit here, like I, like I said, going into the month of December. Well, I think largely this rally in wheat has been very supportive to this corn market here, John, as uh, we've seen. You know, I know you mentioned corn kind of gave it back, but still, though, corn has been holding up decently here the last week or two, thanks to, I think, largely that wheat market trade. Very much so. And, and then just like I said, too, where the managed money is, where the funds are. You know, yeah. we had that hard sell off last week going into first notice day. And unfortunately, it just it probably turned into a situation where there was a lot of basis contracts out there. They had to make decisions. Then the December March spread exploded to 26 cents wide. So then they had to make a choice. They the producer, do I price the corn or roll it, lose the 26 cents? And I think a lot of producers, unfortunately, may have priced the low, uh, at least the post-harvest low with that move. You know, so now we've seen corn recover, reversal the next day on, on uh, last week, getting some upside momentum. You know, today even too, trying to get through that uh, 485 barrier on the March contract, kind of finished right at that today. You know, kind of leaves us up for some more potential upside here. I'm not over optimistic of any type of a big run. You know, to me, if we can get our, close to the $5 handle, that might be a spot we'll see the corn start moving again, and that'll limit the rally. But again, it's just a, a window here in the calendar. You know, after we got that post-harvest low in, that maybe this market can start building a little base. You know, the producers who probably needed to sell the grain have moved the grain they needed to at this time frame, and they're locking the bin doors until the first of the year uh, before they need to move some more products. So again, it's a little bit of a window here that we can see some movement. And again, remember in high supply year, if you get those rallies, 20, 25 cents off the lows, probably need to be pulling some triggers somewhere and moving some product. That's a good point you bring up that a lot of producers might be locking that bin door on corn here until we get through the holidays. I mean, it's one of those things where watching a little bit of a rally here, trying to find some momentum, maybe setting that low, as you mentioned uh, but one has to wonder if someone hasn't done a whole lot on on bushels and they have a lot of unpriced bushels out there, you know, do they need to make a decision here before the end of the year or can they, you know, afford to wait until the calendar rolls over to 2024? I think that's going to be a, a big question going on out there for uh, farmers when it comes to corn, John. Yeah, there's a lot of confusion right now in terms of what the market's thinking or what, you know, what producers are thinking at the same time. And had a lot of long conversations again with guys today with unpriced bushels in the bin. They're looking at profit margins that are not very good if, if, and not even profitable just because of the cost and the amount of investment they got into this crop. And that makes it hard to pull the trigger, you know, the, to pull the trigger on a loss. But I'm a little worried about the first part of the year. You know, there was a lot of extra bushels, a lot more than people thought was coming at them. Some of that got thrown into some cheap storage programs for the first of the year. You know, again, like I said, some of those bushels had to move out here. But we get back into the first of the year, and then all of a sudden we're going to be sitting down with the banker. We're going to be looking at tax statements, looking at buying inputs, and we're going to need some cash flow. And I think there's a little bit of corn sitting on the sidelines ready to come into this market. So, And with the carry in the market, that makes me extremely nervous. It's still a seller's market. You know, you just roll your your short positions to the next month and bleed the carry out, and you're going to be in a pretty good spot if you're a short seller here until we get some type of news change. Now, what can be that change? It's going to be demand more than anything. You know, it was encouraging to see export inspections where they were above expectations at, you know, 1.1 million, million metric tons today. 
Yeah, maybe that's a little bit of a signal that the export window is starting to open up for corn. Typically, it's after the first of the year. You know, right now it's typically beans, but bean numbers were below expectations today. Corn numbers were above. So maybe that's a signal right now that all of a sudden, hey, this world might be shifting to a corn, you know, the corn side of the market a little bit more. And if we see some decent demand and good product movement, you know, Mexico picked up some more corn today. Again, a routine type sale, but still another mm -hmm. sale. You know that maybe that can give this market a little bit more push here, especially if they, you know, the, we need bushels at the Gulf or we need bushels out of the PNW. Well, I wonder too, uh, corn and wheat too, since we've been rallying here a little bit. I wonder if folks, uh, if there's different things they could take a look at, different option strategies, et cetera, et cetera, here to maybe lock in a floor at least. It seems like just with the way things are moving and the potential for some of that risk in 2024 when we get there in a couple of weeks that. If, if anything, it's an opportunity here to maybe lock in some price floors potentially here uh, off this recent rally in corn and wheat. Yeah, especially in corn, I really want to protect that $5 area out to July or out into May. You know, that's one of the questions I'm having with producers. What's your window? Where do you want to ship this? Or when do you want to ship this and get this moving? You know, let's make sure we protect at least a solid uh, futures price value. Obviously, the basis is going to be a big factor on that. There are some pretty good basis levels out there for the spring months, and I know I got a few producers taking advantage of that. But the key there also is pick up the put to go with the basis contract. Then you lock in your cash floor and keep your upside unlimited. You know, I talked to one producer today too, felt like he had a great basis contract, and all of a sudden the futures market dropped 35 cents on him here uh, since he put that in. So it wound up being basically a pretty negative wash in that regard. You know, so make sure you protect that floor. Just because you put the bases in doesn't mean you lock in the price, obviously. Uh, and just, you know, at least give yourself some peace of mind if things go haywire, you've got something in. You know, on the other side of it, too, again, this is a market that still seems going to need to challenge. I like selling calls still over the market as well. Collect that premium, challenge that market to rally higher. You know, selling calls can be a win-win, even though you got to deal with the margin side of the equation. You know, at least if the prices are rallying into that sold call, your bottom line and the bushel bet value is going up as well. You know, so those are strategies I'm using until we get a, a change in the trend. Right now, even though we put a low in and we're kind of bouncing off that low, that chart is still a declining chart. And we have yet to find really a significant point where this price this price has turned around and wants to start higher. And that very well may not happen until we get into the spring and maybe start talking some acre battle and start looking at some of the early U.S. weather. Good thoughts. Good reminder spot for me to say the risk of uh, trading futures and options can be substantial, of course. We want to make sure we give that reminder like we do at the beginning of every program. John, I want to ask you about soybeans. Uh, breaking through some key support levels here the last couple of days. I'm a little worried that the downside potential is uh, is pretty strong right now in soybeans. What do you think about this soy complex? Yeah, it's a bit, today was very disappointing in that regard. It just, you know, we had a chance to move it off the lows. We were trading positive, kind of felt like things were coming together a little bit. Maybe we had a low building. And then I got that export inspections number today. Maybe we're still looking at the South American weather. I know that right now the ocean freight charges are a factor in this marketplace. And the bean market just kind of broke loose again. Now we're down testing $13 on the January contract. It's going to be a spot that in my mind needs to hold psychologically. Otherwise, the next downside step is $12.75. You know, the biggest thing that's concerning to me, though, is the amount of bushels that are still going to come out of South America, as well as just the uncertainty down there. I mean, you're seeing analyst estimates from 140 to 160 million metric tons. 
I mean, you do the math on that gap, that's 700 million bushels of beans that could either be there or not be there or somewhere in the middle. And that, that really is kind of hard for a market to digest. I mean, if it's a 140 number, that's a pretty big hit. You know, if it's a 160 number, then we got a lot of beans. You know, Argentina weather looks good, so that's going to be a concern into the marketplace. Yeah, I just didn't like the path of the, the whole products the last few week, last few days here. Meal softer, oil softer. You know, we had good strength in them today too, and they all just kind of fell apart to the downside. I think tomorrow could be a pretty key day. Can we hold 13, get some reversal action back in, maybe get some money flow? Uh, but right now, those South American beans, at least later into the spring, look like the better value. And with that export inspection number today below expectations and that corn number jumping up, might have been just a signal to the market, too, that that bean export window, which I was thinking maybe would close around the first of the year, might be closing a little bit earlier than we anticipate. Well, once again, that is the voice of John Heimberg with Total Farm Marketing joining us here for our market analysis today. Coming up, we're going to take a look at the livestock trade and get some thoughts as to another rough day in cattle, a decent day in hogs, and we will wrap up our conversation here for today's program. We'll do that on the way right after this as we're back with more on Market Talk coming up right after the break. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. We are having a conversation today with John Heimberg from Total Farm Marketing. John, let's go over to livestock. Cattle, another down day in cattle. Uh, we've had a couple up days last week, but I'd say more losses than wins uh, here the last week plus of this cattle market. Um, what are you thinking here? What are we seeing? I, I know a lot of this has kind of been – we talked about this last week, I think, a lot of funds getting out of this market. I, where do things stand now here this week, John? You know, today, another disappointing day there. That was a rough open. I don't know what that was tied to, just maybe some chance to attack people that got a little optimistic of the market and, you know, flush out some week longs. You know, then we rallied it back to positive territory. It looked like things were going to maybe find some footing there. And all of a sudden, you know, mid-morning again, sellers took right back over. And here we are finishing a new lows, at least a little bit off the low. You know, to me, it's still about money flow right now. Uh, again, you're still looking at fundamentals that are still relatively friendly. You know, I look at a cash feeder index at 225, January feeders at 210. Something looks undervalued or overvalued in my mind there. You know, same thing with cash trade, 172, 173, and we're at 167 for December futures. You know, mm -hmm. so we got a place right now where the futures in the cash market don't seem to be lining up. And that just tells you, again, it's some long liquidation. Now, we're... You go look at some of the longer term charts, we're at some pretty key spots here that we kind of need to hold or else we're really going to have some potential breakdown in these markets, uh, even worse than what we're dealing with now. So I'm really kind of hoping those technical levels hold. You know, to me, we still got to probably get into the first of the year. I'm looking to that January cattle inventory numbers. Let's see where the expansion is. You know, retail values, even though we we're softer on Friday, we're still 297 on choice carcasses at the end of the week. You know, the choice select spread over 30 still tells me there's a little bit of demand out there. You know, the Packers are finally getting a little bit of green in their pockets here with this break in price that maybe they can come back and bid up again. We'll see. So I'm a little optimistic that we could be at a bottoming point in here. The volatility today sometimes dictates that when you see massive price swings. 
kind of just tells you that maybe we're getting close to a bottom. But sometimes after a hard sell off like this, the bottoming is a is a process, not a day. And uh, you know, here we are re you know, re-putting lows in. Do we go retest that low tomorrow? We'll see if that holds, you know, that type of process. Uh, we'll see. But boy, I'd sure hope to think our bottom's here. I don't have the fundamentals to prove it to go any lower. But, you know, sometimes when the money's moving, it doesn't matter about the fundamentals. And that is a great reminder. Sometimes uh, when that money moves, we just got to go with it until the dust settles. So we'll be watching that here in cattle. I know uh, we'll get an updated cattle on feed report later in the month of December, too. I think that'll be a big key ahead of us here as we get towards Christmas Hogs, uh, kind of a mixed bag in hogs, uh, a little bit higher in, in most deferred contracts uh, here on Monday. Uh, what's your take in this hog market right now, John? You know, a few days of consolidation here, maybe just trying to find some direction. You know, we kind of bounced off those lows midweek last week and basically got to this level, $70 on that February contract, and we're kind of holding it. That's where the cash index is right now. Uh, but the cash index still trends softer, which makes me a little cautious of the numbers that we're seeing here. You know, again, we're in that window where weights and numbers kind of only increase for the hog side of it. So we'll have to watch how things play out. Again, it feels like maybe we got a chance to go retest that 66 low, especially if we don't see some, you know, some decent product movement the next few days here. Uh, a little bit concerned about where that hog market is. Uh, so we'll have to kind of watch. But again, then we'll start thinking about into the summer months. Right now, we got a heck of a spread between the front and the back. In that regard, those summer months may be a little bit overvalued here in the mid-90s, low-90s for June, July, and August. So it might be an area to make sure we're still thinking about some protection. Unless all of a sudden we do see those numbers tighten up or the demand pick up, you know, to give some value out there. How about that dairy market? I see a little bit of green on the screen there Monday. John, any notes in dairy? You know, that dairy market, again, just a rough run. You look at last week. Now, maybe Friday we put a little bit of a reversal, and it kind of looks like the bottom of the corn market a little bit there. You know, we had so many down days in a row in that January contract, sub six, you know, pushed it down to the lower 16s, getting a little footing. Good to see the cheese trade and as well as the butter trade pick up a little bit of uh, you know boost today. So I don't know. This might be a spot that's a pretty significant turning point down there. Maybe we can get some price price lift here off of that just on the technical side, kind of like the rest of these markets that I'm worried about going into the end of the year because of short money. You know, so we'll have to watch, but still not a big fan of the milk market in the longer term. You know, to me, any price recovery probably still needs to be met on the defensive side, you know, until we get a better idea where production is, as well as cattle numbers going into 24. I don't know how much you watch the outside markets on Monday. I know the dollar rallied a bit, and most of the stocks were quiet. Gold had a wacky day, though, set a high, and then, what, drops of 50 bucks, John? <laughs> Pretty crazy day there in gold trade. You know, and we're looking at things in general, and I was just going to kind of bring this point up in our wrap-up here. And, you know, the market's got a lot of movement. We're getting to that time of the year. The trading numbers get a little bit on the shorter side. Obviously, we're concerned about what's going on with the inflation rate, what's going on with the interest rates, what's going on with the dollar. And, you know, all those pieces come together. You know, keep an eye on the money flow. You know, right now in the ag space, just feels like the funds don't want to own the ag contracts. Over the last three weeks, they've liquidated 170,000 contracts and they got their largest short position and all the ags net short position, you know, going back about three years. So that tells me a couple different things. Number one, is that an anti-inflation play as we're bringing inflation down? Is it just keeping prices down? And we are moving into an election year this year. So that could be some mm -hmm. of the factors that come into play you know, just on how the money wants to flow. 
that might be a bigger story in the short term is just where the money is at this time frame. And right now, just even saw it today, we had some strength, cattle was higher, corn was solidly higher, beans rallied off the lows, and also we just got to midday today and somebody pulled the pin and down it all went. And it just makes you kind of wonder where the, you know, the market's mindset is right now. And that's something that just makes me cautious for producers going forward. If you got some value, maybe it's not home runs here, but boy, if there's some value on the board, I think you need to make sure you're somehow protecting yourself because the opportunities for prices to continue to slide, especially if production grows in that grain market, especially, you know, is definitely out there that these prices might look pretty good down the road if we continue to see this negative trend. John, if folks have questions, I know they can reach you at Total Farm Marketing very easily. How can they get a hold of you? Give me a call, 800-334-9779. Shoot me an email at johnh at totalfarmmarketing.com. And again, that website, totalfarmmarketing.com. John Heimberg, always appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today on Market Talk, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Have a great week. And we're out of time here on Market Talk. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day. Your local FS is member-owned, and that means when you buy our flagship brands like FS Envision and FS High Soy, you're actually buying seed from yourself. And you wouldn't sell yourself anything but the best, would you? In field after field, FS brands are out-yielding the competition. Talk to your local FS crop specialist about Envision corn or High Soy soybean seed today. At harvest, you'll be glad you did. Envision and High Soy are available exclusively at your local FS member company. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube.